don't we use the math we learn in school? How much of the math you've learned in school do you actually use in everyday life? For the majority of people, the answer is surprisingly little. This question is at the heart of the problem of transfer of learning, how we apply what we've learned to new problems and situations. As readers will note, I've spent the better part of the last year digging into the research surrounding this topic. Why we fail to use math we've learned may seem trivial, but it reveals fundamental principles of learning. Before I get into the explanations, let's start by examining the evidence for my assertion that most people don't use the math they've learned in school. Evidence for the failure to use math. Casual observation tells us that most people don't use math beyond simple arithmetic in everyday life. Few people make use of fractions, trigonometry, or multi-digit division algorithms that they learned in school. More advanced tools like algebra and calculus are even less likely to be brought out to solve everyday problems. Research on the overall population's use of math bears this out. A 2003 survey of 18,000 randomly selected Americans gave a battery of questions that embedded mathematics problems into situations that they might actually encounter. The survey authors created the following scale to rank Americans' quantitative abilities. Below basic, add up two numbers to complete an ATM deposit. Basic, calculate the cost of a sandwich and salad using prices from a menu. Intermediate, calculate the total cost of ordering office supplies using a page from an office supplies catalog and an order form. Proficient, calculate an employee's share of health insurance costs for a year using a table that shows how the employee's monthly cost varies with income and family size. According to this survey, only 13% of Americans scored as proficient, while over half were basic or below basic. Anthropological studies support the observation that most people fail to use higher math. Jean Leif conducted fieldwork observing the mathematics people used in everyday life. She found that people often performed reasonably well in real-life settings, but their performance dropped when the same problems were expressed in the form of a test. In one frequently cited episode from her book, an individual was trying to calculate two-thirds of three-quarter cups of cottage cheese. Instead of applying learned math, multiplying fractions would give the easily measurable answer of one half cup, the person scooped out two-thirds of a cup, made a rough circle on the table, and then cut out a quarter. My argument is not that nobody learns math or that math is useless. Clearly, some people learn math very well and apply it in everyday problem-solving settings. People in professions that rely on math are more likely to apply it both in and outside of work. The question is why most people don't, in spite of spending many years practicing it. Why do people fail to use math? Well, I see three competing explanations for the failure to use math in everyday life. One, most people don't learn math well enough to use it effortlessly. Two, we learn school math but fail to translate real problems into a format where we could apply our math knowledge. Three, most higher math just isn't that useful for everyday problems. Explanation number one, most people don't learn math well enough to use it. The first argument would allege a failure of education. People don't use math because they were never taught it thoroughly enough to use it properly. Now, there's a lot in favor of this argument. 
One of the major barriers to using a skill in real life is automaticity. We tend to find the least effort solution to the problems we encounter. If struggling through a math problem is hard for you, you'll find a different way to solve it that doesn't rely on math. This seems the best explanation for the cottage cheese incident earlier. Suppose the person was fluent with basic fraction facts. In that case, the mental answer of two-thirds times three-quarters is equal to six-twelfths, which then reduces to one-half, is much less work than scooping out cottage cheese and manipulating it manually. A lack of automaticity may explain the difficulty people have had with quantitative questions in the survey. Their math wasn't easily accessible, which led them to make mistakes in the reasoning tasks. Explanation number two. Most people don't know how to translate real-life situations into math problems. The second argument is a little different. It argues that people may develop competence in math classes, but that they struggle to translate real-life problems into a format where they can then apply their mathematics knowledge. This seems most apparent in the case of applying algebra. Students struggle with algebra, but they particularly struggle with word problems. Worse, real-life problems are much harder than word problems. In a word problem, you already have a ton of support from the context. Every word problem takes place in an algebra class, so you know that the algebra will be part of the solution. Further, teachers rarely give impossible problems, so you know that your prior knowledge should be sufficient to solve the algebra problem. Finally, word problems end up being stereotyped formats, like trains leaving various cities at different times, which you can then use as a cue to identify which type of problem it is. Extracting an algebraic representation of a real-life problem situation is typically much harder. So I can recall an example of this in our business. Uh, where I'm from, you generally add sales tax to the stated purchase price. So if we had a $10 product with a 10% sales tax, you charge the customer $11 and then just set aside $1 for the government. However, our software at the time couldn't do sales taxes in this way, so we had to calculate how much to send the government afterward, after we'd already collected the money. Now, without thinking much about it, the person I was working with said, well, we just need to remit 10% of our sales. Except, that isn't right. If he had applied algebra, the problem would have been, well, the amount collected is equal to the actual sales, plus the actual sales times 10%, or the tax rate. The taxes that are owed would then be the amount collected divided by 1.1 and then again multiplied by 10%. So for the $10, that'd actually be 91 cents and not $1. So if you can state it as an algebra equation, then it's fairly easy to solve. And indeed, when I even suggested that this was the right way to interpret the problem, the person I was working with immediately saw the correct answer. So even telling him the basic idea that that tax amount needs to be 10% bigger than the amount left over, not 10% bigger than the total, got him to the right solution immediately. The trick was recognizing that algebra needed to be applied. So from this perspective, what people struggle with is not doing math, but recognizing where and how to apply math to real problems. Explanation number three, math just isn't that useful for everyday problems. A third explanation is that math is just overrated as a solution strategy for problems outside of exacting quantitative disciplines. The person measuring cottage cheese managed to get the correct answer without having to multiply fractions. Maybe multiplying fractions just isn't that useful. Now, there's an interesting split here on this perspective when I've asked people about it. 
People who are good at math point out that it's obviously useful and the only way to get correct answers to quantitative problems. People who are bad at math tend to discount math's relevance to everyday life. The math supporters would argue that people's failure to see the relevance of math to everyday life is due to their inability to use it. Knowledge determines what solution strategies are apparent to you. If knowledge is missing, as in the second explanation where you can't translate a situation into algebra, or insufficiently effortless, as in the first explanation where you haven't practiced it enough, then you tend to view it as either expensive or unnecessary. The math detractors instead would argue that there's a sunk cost bias on behalf of the math experts. They've invested a lot of effort into learning math well, and thus they naturally see it as the only correct way to solve most problems, even if many problems practically can be solved without resorting to calculation. Everyone values knowledge that they have mastered and tends to dismiss knowledge that they haven't as irrelevant or not important. And you know what? There's probably bias on both sides. I tend to lean in favor of the first group that says math is important, but, well, that might just be my bias from having learned a lot of math. How can we make math more useful? So let's set aside this last explanation that's a bit pessimistic for a moment and argue that the math supporters are indeed correct about math's general usefulness for everyday life. What could we do to make math easier to apply? Well, there seems to be three options. First, we can have more drill and practice with math. More time spent drilling and practicing the math makes it more available for effortless calculations. Failure to sufficiently master academic subjects results in a lot of knowledge that is inert for practical purposes. Second, more practice with interpreting problem situations. Many students are only taught math as symbol manipulation. Less instruction is focused on identifying situations where it might plausibly be useful. We need to give students more training in noticing and converting everyday situations into the math problems they know how to solve. Third, give real-life challenges that require math. Ultimately, skills and knowledge are sustained by usage. If you don't have any genuine problems that require a skill, you begin to forget it. The reason people in STEM professions maintain sharp math skills is because they need them to be sharp. Mathematics here can be a stand-in for nearly any academic subject. In all cases, to have useful skills, you need a combination of automatic skill, problem identification and interpretation, and sustaining real-world usage. Anything less, and knowledge learned fails to leave the classroom. Thanks for listening to this episode. More episodes like this can be found by searching for Scott Young Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on most other podcasting apps available on your smartphone. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider rating my show as it helps other people find out about it. More of my work can be found on my website at scotthyoung.com.